brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Join us September 25th, 26th, and 27th for a three-day special streaming event, Strange Realities, to push the limits of your reality. Featuring authors, academics, researchers, occultists, experiencers, podcasters, and practitioners. All presenting fresh cutting-edge material and research. Streaming live. Featuring presentations by Brent Reigns, editor of Alternate Perceptions Magazine. Aaron Gullius, host of the Saucer Life Podcast. David Metcalf, writer and researcher. Alan Greenfield, author of Secret Cipher of the Euphonauts. Stephanie Quick, writer and blogger. Red Pill Junkie, 14 researcher and explorer. Tim Banal, host of Banal of America. Guy Malone, iconoclast and troublemaker. Timothy Ritter, host of Strange Familiars. Kiki Dombrowski, author and practitioner. Greg Bishop, author of Project Beta. Junie Ashford, host of 13 O'Clock. Recluse, host of The Farm. Jack Montgomery, Folk Magic. Joshua Cutchin, author of Thieves in the Night. Reverend Michael Carter, alien contact experiencer. Dr. Future, host of Future Quake. Tony Kale, author of Memphis Hoodoo. Rin Collier, occultist. Soraya Ascap, host of Where Did the Road Go? John Tinney, Ghost Stalkers and Hell. All three days, only $20. Tickets and info available at strangerealitiesconference.com. Brought to you by the Conspiranormal Podcast. Conspiranormal.com. Strange Realities. And here we are. We are live on the Conspiranormal Facebook page the and on the YouTube channel. So... We are doing the second part of, well, this would be the second part when we actually put the podcast, but I guess technically this is the third part of the Strange Realities Conference preview, preview show with all the speakers. And we have three more speakers with us. First of all, what's going on, Sergio? What's up, man? Just uh, excited. We're getting closer to the conference, and uh, those tickets are rolling in, and people are really excited. Get some great feedback. Just can't wait to all uh, all get together and have that experience. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, and we're really excited to have uh, three people that are a part of the conference once more with us tonight. We've got Jenny Ashford. Hi, everybody. And uh, Kiki Dombrowski. Hi, how's it going? Thank you for having me. Oh, yeah. Thank you for for being here. Yeah. For being a part of the conference. And Maya is here, too. (laughs) Oh. Or not. You'll see her jump up and down. She's very. (laughs) That's your familiar. Well, it's funny. She's been um, with her dad up in Nashville and finally has just, she got, arrived in Savannah yesterday. So. Cool. Uh, Okay. Cool. And And we've got Stephanie Quick. Hi. Hey. And Adam just disappeared. So goodness, where did he go? (laughs) We'll uh I'm still here. I'm still here. Okay. (laughs) The disembodied voice. (laughs) (laughs) He has ascended into the other realm. Just we will, the show must go on as it always does. 
So uh, let's start. What we're going to do is we're going to talk about each and every one of you guys' presentations, what you're going to talk about, kind of just like a little brief synopsis. And uh, Jenny, I guess we'll start with you. What are you going to talk about at the Strange Reality? Oh my Conference? goodness, the pressure. Well, apparently, um, I'm going to be the sole true crime uh, speaker at the conference. I'm very excited about that. Um, I'm actually going to be talking about a very strange uh, set of two murders that happened in St. Augustine, Florida, which is not that far from where I grew up. Very haunted city. Uh, oldest city in the United States, oldest continually op occupied European settlement, if you want to be pedantic about it. Um, but these were two murders that happened in the early 1970s. And they were both kind of uh, middle-aged to older ladies. Uh, one of them was hacked to death with a machete on her front porch, and the other one was bashed to death with a concrete block. And uh, both nice. of the crimes are technically unsolved, although I'm pretty sure I know who did the first one but no one's really sure who did the second one. So that's kind of what I'm going to talk about. And like I said, I wanted to do that because I wanted to do something true crime related and I wanted to do something that I had written about in one of my books and also something that was um, local to my area because St. Augustine is very, very close to where I grew up. And, uh, and I've been there many, many times. We went there many times when I was a child and I went there a couple of years ago and there's just something really cool about the place and, I didn't really find out about the murder until later, but um, so it's like just a pair of murders that I always found really fascinating and set in one of my favorite cities in the world. So I thought that would be a good thing to talk about. Cool. <laughs> the you, do you think did it um, incarcerated? No, uh, <laughs> he was actually brought to trial, but was uh, acquitted. Spoiler alert. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> wow. When were these crimes committed? In uh, 1974, wow. both of them were. They were about nine months apart. Wow. And uh, it's weird because they seem related, but they actually might not be because they were very, they were very similar. But mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I always just find something very fascinating about them, especially because the first one that happened, like, just kind of in broad daylight, like on a busy street, you know what I mean? Oof. Yeah, it's, it's pretty horrifying. And were there <laughs> witnesses? Uh, there was one witness, the neighbor. Um, oh, great. But, it was kind of like he wasn't, he was sure he saw who it was and then he wasn't sure he saw who it was. It was kind of one of those kind of situations. Mm -hmm. So um, there was a lot of, there's a lot of really, like, really interesting details in this case about kind of like small town politics and all that kind of stuff, which I found yeah. really intriguing. So uh, hopefully it will be interesting for everybody. Yeah, you know, that's like, like as interesting as I found it. <laughs> yeah, we, could, we could really use that, uh, that dimension to the, to the conference. I think people really enjoy that and uh, give them something to help them sleep at night. Yeah. That, that first night guys that we're going to be doing this, this conference is going to be interesting because we're like something that is really like we're billing it as a paranormal conference, but that first Friday, that Friday night, those first four presentations, there's not going to be really anything paranormal about them. <laughs> oh. Well, it happens. I mean, when we first started our show, we started it kind of as a paranormal show. Yeah, but as yeah. time went on, we started branching out into other, and now we just do whatever. We do paranormal, we do weird history, we do a lot of true crime, we do pretty much anything that interests us and that we think is 
strange or that we think other people will find interesting. So we just kind of stopped worrying about that distinction a long time ago. (laughs) Just for everybody that may not be familiar with your podcast, what is it called? What's it uh, like? What's uh, like kind of like what's the format of it? What's a podcast? But really, it's a YouTube. It's a YouTube channel, really. Yeah, I mean, we do an audio component of it as well that I, you know, usually put up on YouTube, uh, on iTunes, and various other uh, podcast kind of uh, platforms. But it's mainly a YouTube show, especially since we started having the video component. Because when we first started, we only had audio, and then I would make like a slideshow to go along with it, which was really dumb and laser uh, labor intensive. And I don't know why it took so long for us to get video. But uh, we recently started live streaming like all the main episodes, which has been really fun, actually. I didn't think I would like it because I don't usually, I usually get nervous like in a live setting, but it actually turned out being pretty fun. Um, Our show is called 13 O'Clock and uh, we do, like I said, we started out doing paranormal stuff, but now we do pretty much everything. We do ghost stories. We do a lot of true crime. We do several shows a week. We do old movie reviews. We do new movie reviews. I just started a series doing book reviews um, so we kind of cover all the, if it's weird or spooky or horror related or anything like that, then we'll talk about it. And we pretty much put something up every day, uh, which we didn't used to do. We used to just have one show, but now we have, gosh, we, we live stream five days a week. Um, and we have like various other recorded things that we put up like on the days that we don't live stream. So it's kind of become a full-time concern at this point. <laughs> well, you know, there's, there's cool. a, I'm, a, I'm a big, I'm a big fan of your show. Yeah, like, you guys you, have had a, you, you like a lot of times. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we have. In fact, Jenny, Jenny is all like, uh, you guys a couple of times have saved our asses because there's been a couple of times where like a guest has like said, oh, I can't come on tomorrow or I can't come on today, and I'm like, uh, Jenny, Tom, can you guys come on? <laughs> can you guys come on and just talk about a bunch of. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well, you kind of, you guys kind of, but you guys kind of have an interesting dynamic on your show. Can you talk a little bit about like uh, you and Tom's like kind of, kind of dynamic between each other? Like, the- yeah, this seems to be the thing. It's very funny to me because this seems to be the thing that a lot of people really respond to about the show, and I'm not sure. I don't know. I'm not sure why. I guess because I've known him for such a long time, so it's like something that I'm used to, but. The fact that our personalities are so different, and like we said this on um, one of our shows a long time ago, because this is kind of our dynamic. I was like, he's kind of like uh, Captain Kirk, but maybe like a little bit the mirror, mirror, like the little bit ev- evil episode. You know what I mean? Um, he's a little bit like that, and I'm like um, good universe Spock. So the way that we like kind of play off of each other, I guess, is kind of like, I mean, we're almost. I don't want to say we're almost completely opposite, but in a lot of ways we're kind of opposite. So we don't argue and stuff on the show. Like we actually agree on more things than people uh, would think, but I guess the way we kind of interact with one another, the way we kind of like mess around with each other and, you know, take the piss out of one another is like, I guess like people are into that, which um, we thought was very funny. I mean, that was one of the reasons that someone suggested to us that we should do a show it's like, you guys are just like so funny the way you're always like, you know, quibbling with one another and like kind of adding to, you know, just like arguing and stuff. Not really arguing, but 
So we were like, okay, why not? He loves to talk. And uh, so we started it. And apparently some people, like, people really dig it. So, and like I said, since we started doing the live streams, I feel like people have been really responding to that because, you know, we, we do the live streams like for the main show, like on Saturday nights. Uh, we both like, you know, get a big old cocktail and we just sit there and we talk about the topic. And a lot of times we just go off on these like, crazy tangents like the shows will be like four hours long and it's like we have like a hardcore of people that like turn up and they're drinking with us and like asking us questions it's it's, it's interactive it's very it's, it's it is it's it like is it, it, an interactive drinking show what uh what tom, tom typifies it is like the old time 1970s talk shows where you'd like everybody drinks martinis yeah yeah it's exa- and that's kind of what we wanted we kind of wanted i mean we didn't initially start out drinking on the show because i was like i was too i was like man i'll lose my place in the notes i don't know you know i'm gonna mess it up but as time went on and we kind of like loosened up the format of the show in a way i think it's gotten a lot better even though maybe if you're you know looking for a show on like you know the last show we did on howard hughes or whatever if you're looking for a show on howard hughes it might not be the best place to go i think i got most of the facts in there but you know there's going to be like a whole bunch of other tangents and uh, people might get bored that we go off on for 30 minutes talking about little debbies or something like that (laughs) like we get off on some so you know, so if, but if, if people don't have patience for that, this it's really not the show for them. <laughs> you need to you need to let Tom know that right now I am only about two or three miles away from where Little Debbies are made. So just just, <laughs> really? just, let, just let him know. Yeah, if you stand outside, if you stand outside where I live now. You can smell the little Debbie. <laughs> oh, nice. I'm gonna have to tell him. That. He came home from Sam's the other day, and it's like we're just constantly in a struggle. Like we're always trying to like lose weight, and we're always trying to diet and stuff. He came home from Sam's the other day with three big, huge boxes of three different kinds of little Debbies. He got like the the peanut butter like wafery things. He got like oatmeal cream pies. He got like coffee cake things. I was like, why do you do this? Just why? He's like, I don't know. I saw them, and they look good. I was like, he is, he is so funny about food too. And what I love about your guys' show, because I'm a big fan too, is um, you never know where's where anything is going to end up from Tom's angle because he's had this like really wild, vast life experience. And I remember yeah. one time, I can't remember what you guys were talking about, but he starts talking about some guy that he knew who was like an old navy guy or something talking about how like in the 30s or something or the 40s you had this really good high quality motor oil and yeah. so he <laughs> you know what I remember. <laughs> so he went he went deep fry a chicken in this motor yeah. oil yeah. and he claims it was like the most succulent most gorgeous yeah. chicken. and he's like, well, like it didn't have all the like you know additives in it then so it was like much better and like all this other kind of stuff and that's it's funny because like we'll end up on this topic like 45 minutes later and then i'll mm-hmm. look up, like how did we even end up talking about this i don't even remember like where it went off the rails but oh well <laughs> yeah, it's fun though it's a, it's always a hoot because you just there's always because i mean i love i love true crime but you've been around a while you kind of know where things are going to go it's not yeah. so surprising i think that's what's kind of comforting about it in a strange way that you kind of know how a lot of these cases are going to end up usually a, a certain way 
Yeah. Um, but that's the thing with uh, you and Tom is that you just, you really never know exactly where things are going to end up, which makes it a lot of fun. So, yeah. And we don't know. That's, I think that's kind of what makes it entertaining too, because it's like, yeah, I have an outline and I have notes and stuff like that. But when he gets into the mix and gets a few drinks into him, I don't have any idea. Like, it's a wild know. card. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I don't know what, like, I'm going to say something and it's going to set him off like on this path. And I'm just like, not even, I'm just going to be like, there it goes. There goes the thread of the show. It's wandering way over there. Yep. <laughs> do you have anything exciting planned for Halloween? Like doing any Halloween themed things? I'm not sure. Like we just recently started because we used to always do, um, like a big like special episode for Halloween, we would usually do um, reader stories. Like they would send in ghost stories or fiction stories and people really seem to like that. But recently we started doing, cause I wanted to give something extra to the people on our Patreon. So I started doing like polls um, of what movies they wanted to see for the upcoming week, what topics they wanted to see. So I'm not really sure. Like, I mean, I'm sure we'll do something special, but I'm not really sure what i mean it might have to do i might have to like figure out what to put in the polls so people can like vote on what they want us to do for the halloween show because i'm like running out of ideas we always try to do like valentine's day is easy because we always do killer couples and we never like run out of those so we usually do like a variety show with like three or four different like serial killer couples or whatever and um we've been doing that for like three years we usually try to do a special Christmas show too, but that's always kind of hard to come up with. So we did like Krampus and Christmas creatures one year. And then I don't even remember what we did like the year after that. We did something kind of Christmas themed, but um, I mean, Halloween's easy because everything we do is spooky. So it's kind of like, but, and, and now I feel bad because we used to, it used to be when the show, when we first started it and it was an hour long and I used to be like really annoyed, like, you know, cause it was called 13 o'clock, you know, the hour of the weird and unexplained. So it was only supposed to be an hour. So I would get like really antsy if the show went over an hour and now our shows are regularly four hours long. And so I feel like now if we do like a special edition or something like that, <laughs> like six hours, or because people are like, what, you know, what's special about that? Your regular show is already three or four hours long. So now you have to like, just be there for like six hours, like talking to everybody. I don't know. I'll figure something out. <laughs> and it seems like for you guys, in the words of ministry, every day is Halloween. It is. That's what it's yeah, so, I like. That. That I don't love Halloween because I do. It's my very favorite thing ever, but I mean, pretty much every day, we're just working on spooky stuff. I'm reading horror. I'm think I'm writing about true crime. I'm doing something like creepy or creepy adjacent. So it really does seem like it. it is really like that. I mean, you know, but well, I commend you guys for doing it like literally every single day, like just about it's uh yeah, it's, 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 it's you put in a huge amount of time. It's paying off for you guys pretty well. I think. Yeah, I mean, it's been doing really well. I think Thursday and Friday are the only days we don't live stream now. But Thursdays, I started putting up, like, I started reading, like, some of my own short stories and, like, classic horror stories. I started putting those up on Thursday. And then we record, like, a movie review, and that goes up on Fridays. But every other day, we live stream. And we usually do new movie reviews. Like, we try to watch new stuff and put that up every day. And then we do the regular episode on Saturday nights because we figure more more people are, like sitting around and can drink with us. So 
it's cool how you've really got this whole kind of community built up around around you guys and they probably it's, feel it's like amazing like it's amazing how the same people like turn up even when we because i told tom i'm like are, i think people are gonna get sick of us like after a while which like every day i'm like hey here we are talking about another movie hi but like the same people like regularly show up every single day and we know and they and they start spending they started sending us like presents like in the mail like today I got two Blu-rays, like the 1979 Dracula with Frank Langella, and I got uh, Heat with Al Pacino. So I got two Blu-rays today, and somebody sent me, because I mentioned waffle fries on one of my show, and I said, oh, man, I should really make some waffle fries. Somebody sent me, like, a vegetable cutter thing, like, to make waffle fries. <laughs> I opened it up, and I just, like, left my ass off. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God, that's awesome. But, that is pretty cool, yeah. That that's is people cool. people sending you stuff. I mean, that's like a whole other level. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's crazy. I mean, it's usually movies, but like um, one of our one of our fans, like who was like older than us, because you know we're a little bit older. He sent us a huge, a humongous box of like all these old weird tales magazines, like all these old like tombs of the blind dead, like all those old like fucking. Uh, oops, sorry, <laughs> but all those, uh, you know, <laughs> it's, I can't stop swearing. Sorry, it's, it's, it's okay. It's not it's okay. okay. <laughs> this, we're, we're, this, we, we do it. We do it. Too. Yeah, like all, all the that stuff. stuff. All the movies in the coffin box. It's like he sent me like a little pop figure of death from Sandman. It's like just this big, huge box of stuff. And I was just like, he's like, oh, I just, I had this stuff and I was cleaning stuff out and I thought you guys would like it. So he just sent us this big, huge box. And I was just like, I'm, it's touching, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it really is. <laughs> I, I never thought that would happen. You know, it's kind of cool. Kiki, let's get to you. Um, what are you going to be presenting at our Strange Realities Conference? Um, well, I tried to think of something where I could cross over in what um, I have studied extensively, which is like definitely divination and tarot and um, something that might fit well into a paranormal conference. And so I am going to talk about prophecies, predictions, and cycles during our lifetime. Um, originally, my goal was literally to like, because my walls, I still don't even have art on my walls yet. That's how brand new I am in my place. I was going to put like post-its up and create a timeline of predictions. But as the more I read, people are not very accurate in their predictions. They don't say, you know what, in 2021, this is going to happen. In 2025, this is going to happen. It's So I'm, I'm kind of curious to see where the research takes me as, as I get closer and closer to um, the conference. But um, it, it's been kind of interesting to see how terrifying <laughs> our futures are. Um, according to the prophets and um i really hold no judgment against anybody i don't think uh you know there are certain people in particular that are better than others but obviously like there's a few people that i definitely want to talk about nostradamus being one of them um and then this other woman i learned about who's considered to be the nostradamus of the balkans and her name is baba vanga and she apparently was like, like she predicted the passing of Joseph Stalin, uh, Barack Obama's presidency. And some people also say that she also predicted um, COVID-19. So um, it'll she, be interesting. Is she Bulgarian? 
Yes, yes. she's from yeah, Sofia, I think, Bulgaria. Yeah, I think I've heard of her, yeah. Yeah, very interesting woman. Um, lost her eyesight at a very, very young age. Uh, the legend says that she lost it in sort of this like freak storm and and so just led this this very um, spiritual life where she just gave people really incredible insights to the point where she was so well known that the governments tested her and and studied her and apparently they actually came up with a number where they said that her predictions were 80 percent accurate so you could 80 percent of the time she's going to give you some really real advice and some some uh yeah hmm. 80 percent of the time huh Interesting. yeah how did she predict COVID 19 what was her like what, what are they saying her prediction? Well, apparently, and I say apparently because I think that that's something that's very interesting about the world of prophecies and predictions too, is that they're up to interpretation. And then also the sources are up to interpretation too. So a lot of times I think that when I talk about these predictions and these prophecies, I'm going to say allegedly, apparently, legend says, because- right. right. You know, it's like, really, unless you were right there when Baba Vanga said it, we can't say that this is exactly what happened. But apparently one of her clients in the 90s, so she passed away in 1996, but okay. in the early 90s or maybe even the late 80s, um, during the Golden Girls years, I'll say that. Um, <laughs> that's, 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 the best, that's the best way to date it. Whenever, you know, Blanche and Rose were around. <laughs> like, I'm obsessed. Like, obsessed with them. And actually, fun fact, there is an episode of the Golden Girls where Rose sees a UFO. So there, there is uh, a little... Yes, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Sweet Rose. Um, <laughs> and St. Olaf. So um, Baba Vanga told her client, she said that in the year 2020, it, the year 2020 is going to be covered by Corona. And at the time, the, the you know, the, 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 the customer or the client, I'll say the client didn't really understand what this meant. It was like, I don't know what you're talking about, but thank you. Um, so, and, and I think that's interesting too, because, you know, I think that anybody that, that is psychic, they, they come up with some things that they'll give to a client and the client's like that, that doesn't resonate at all. Um, I think that it happens. I think that, that, you know, maybe not all of us are gifted with an 80% accuracy, <laughs> you know, but it is interesting when you do have clients to say that doesn't resonate and you go, okay, well, you know, put it on the back burner. That's what this client for Baba Vanga did. And then here we are in 2020. And I think that that will happen with, with, with plenty of psychics where they say, you know, maybe that, that doesn't resonate with me right now. Well, you know, I've, I've personally had that happen where, you know, I've given the wisdom from the cards or maybe, I've had a clairvoyant hit and I've shared it and the customer's like, I don't know if that resonates, but then they'll contact me a couple months later and say, I didn't think it would happen, but it happened. Hey, hey Kiki, for the audience that, uh, that, that are watching that are not familiar with you, like you do, um, like just tell a little bit about yourself, like what you do and like your tarot readings and all that kind of, all that stuff. Sure. So um, I am a tarot card reader. I've been reading tarot for a very long time. I started tarot when I was very young, um, about 
13 years old ish 13 um which would also be somewhere in the golden girls era <laughs> in, indeed the golden girls era they, they covered a great space of geological time they truly did <laughs> so i don't give away my age too much by sharing that but um I, tarot gave me the opportunity to really branch out into a lot of things that i love which um would include magic, witchcraft, the study of, of divination, just all divination, um, but also dipping into the world of the paranormal and the supernatural. Um, and so I kind of, uh, you know, I, I carry all those things with me. I'm also a writer. I have two books that are getting republished um, next year uh, through Which Way uh, Publishing. Um, and I write for Which Way Magazine. I kind of have a sort of blog. I'm not really, I'm not dedicated to it. I, I still have a day job, so mm -hmm. it is exhausting. I, you know, I give credit to anybody who, you know, oh my God, Jenny, like, I can't believe you do, you know, a podcast every single day. Like, if I write 200 words a day, I'm like, yes, <laughs> nailed it. <laughs> I can totally relate. And you've got a couple of you've got a couple of books out as well. Well, oh yeah, well the the two books, yeah, they're because they're getting republished. The so this is the cool thing is that these two books that I did, Eight Extraordinary Days, which is about um, the the I call it the Witch's Wheel of the Year, which is really about the um, seasonal celebrations. Um, and A Curious Future, which is sort of this really nifty divination handbook. Um, both are getting revised and getting expanded. So um, yeah, those are the two, the two works that I really, I love. And I'll, I'll be ready to release them after the second edition. Cool. And move on to something else, probably tarot. <laughs> Yeah, excellent, excellent. So, what's about? Uh, so, are you covering just pretty much like prophecies from like psychic prophecies? Are you covering like any any other kind of like prophecy in the, well, in the book? That's a good. That's a good question. One thing I really wanted to think about were were cycles of time. Um, you know, like the age of Aquarius. Kind of talking about that. What does that mean to to shift into the age of Aquarius? Um, and then I don't know. I was listening to a podcast. It was probably Mysterious Universe. I think it was Mysterious Universe where they were talking about um, hunger stones appearing, and I wanted to talk about like cycles of. Um, you know, weather cycles, what kind of cycles are being predicted coming up? And, and one of the things that, that kind of was interest to me are these hunger stones are appearing all over the world where the water is decreasing to a level. And, you know, people in our history left these stones that were like, hey, if you can read this, you're going to be in a really bad situation with droughts coming up. So FYI, you may want to, you know, get ready. So, um, those are some of the things I'd like to touch upon as well. Um, cool. Yeah, there's a, there's almost too much to cover in one hour. So my hope is to really get an idea of, hey, these are some things we could really plan on seeing, you know, um, in the next few years, uh, the next 10 years, the next mm -hmm. 20 years maybe. But like I said, it, the, the, the deeper I dive into this, it, there's not many prophets that say, hey, in this year, this is going to happen. Right. But kind of general things that we can, uh, that are going to be relevant to us now and in the near future. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and things that we could likely see according to the prophets. Cool. Well, that sounds real interesting. And that's, that's definitely a different uh, topic. So it, it definitely adds to the diversity of stuff. We've, we've got uh, these different presentations focusing on. Well, I'm excited and I'm, I'm so grateful to be a part of this and just think that everybody that's going to be here is going to be so phenomenal and, and offers so much wonderful knowledge and really thrilled that you put this together. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a really good thing. We uh, Doing it online allowed us to get a lot more people than we normally would have anyway. So I think, it, I think it's worked out really, really well. And you're actually, Kiki, you will be starting us off on Saturday. That's right. The 20, 26th. The opening slot. So it'll be like a coffee hour slot. for us. <laughs> yes, yes. I think that's uh, just for everybody that is going. Uh, that's 11.05 to 12.05 on that Saturday Eastern time. And you guys will be also be able to, uh, to catch that if you miss it as well on the Facebook group. Um, okay, Stephanie, let's get into yours. Uh, we got to talk a little bit about this with you on, uh, on Banal of America the other night because you were the only call-in when we were on. But, uh, yeah, you're I was home about. with nothing better to do. No, it was fun. It was really enjoyable talking to you guys. And um, I uh, appreciate you talking about the uh, history of the and some of the stuff with the Masons, too, because I had a couple of very good uh, friends when I was younger who were uh, quite older. Actually, I met one guy, I was about... 23 probably he was 90 and uh, he was a mason and we became very good friends so i, I was like hearing that uh, history so was that during the golden girls era too let's see it, it possibly could have been uh, before the golden girls era <laughs> <laughs> i'm almost 60 so um i've been around a while but uh kiki i think it's fascinating that you're going to be talking about prophecy and divination in this particular conference because we have a lot of people uh, or some people talking about like the ufo experience and also folk magic and a lot of people that have these close encounters with uh lights in the sky or strange beings as you know come back and they have these ideas about the future right these yeah. prophecies that they come back with same with like near-death experiences right yeah it's and, so interesting yeah it's almost like people have like they have their shamanic and i'm, I'm putting that in quotations they have that shamanic experience that really or even maybe even a traumatic experience and all of a sudden their perception shifts and they're downloading this insane information um yeah so it'd be interesting to hear that in context of some of these other speakers at the at the conference and it's a it's an outstanding lineup so but anyway, um, so I am going to be speaking on synchronicities, which have become very popular over the last while, like especially with Hellier. Um, I have always been interested in them, but I got really interested almost like about 17 or 18 years ago and started doing experiments um, because I'm not just going to be talking about synchronicities. I am going to be uh, trying to uh, activate the participants own capacity to generate synchronicities on purpose, um, which sounds crazy, but I've been doing it for over 15 years, probably close to 18 years now um, on my own um, and also with other people. And so I'll be uh, just basically doing that. I have a, a background, academic background in like uh, science, uh, anthropology, 
Um, so I'm used to that kind of intellectual rigor. But at the same time, I um, have studied with a number of different spiritual teachers, uh, meditation teachers. I lived in a Tibetan Buddhist uh, meditation center with the Rinpoche for a while. We had teachers come through. Um, actually, well, I dated this uh, Native American shaman lady who was like super hardcore. <laughs> Um, and uh, for a while, and so I learned a lot about that. So I've had a lot of these spiritual teachers as well as um, I had a near-death experience when I was 21 and was in contact with these discarnate beings that I learned a lot from and still do. So I'm going to be fold, trying to fold that in to, to give people a little bit of structure for approaching this type of experiment and a little bit of a how-to, uh, some ideas on uh, the theory behind what's going on and how to track what's happening with your synchronicities, um, but also trying to get that kind of transmission going through at the same time. Um, because with a lot of spiritual teachers, um, even in the, the lab and stuff, you'll notice that certain ideas, um, if you're exposed to them, they can kind of activate these capacities. For example, a lot of people will hear about uh, out-of-body experience or lucid dreaming. They'll go on the, like, the subreddit for lucid dreaming and spend you know three or four hours reading all about it. And then that night they go and they can, they're lucid for the first time, right? Um, so being around people that have this capacity activated and also uh, being exposed to these ideas intensely, putting your attention there can help you to activate this. It's not like I have some big secret. I've just, you know, it's like if you, I don't know, if you wanted to learn golf, if you're around someone who's a good golfer, it might be helpful. <laughs> you know, someone who's been practicing. So, so I've been trying to... Uh, Let's see. Due to the characteristics of the paranormal generally, you're going to have more uh, paranormal things popping up or happening um, outside of heavily structured environments, right? Um, Jeff Ritzman talks about this a lot, uh, anti-structure versus structure. So when you're on vacation, right, you don't have your normal day-to-day -day structure. You're a lot more likely to have, for example, poltergeist experience like someone that you know, Jenny, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's a classic. <laughs> that's a classic example, classic situation. Plus, how old was he? He was getting towards puberty, right? Uh, 12 or 13, yeah. He was exactly, which is another thing. You're not quite a kid. You're not quite an adult. So it's kind of like slipping in between. So on the one hand, I want to come across as like a smart person who has their act together, have this real structured with everything, da, da, da. But the thing is, that type of environment is going to kneecap the subconscious in trying to produce any of these synchronicities. So I'm trying to figure out how to make a, a uh, presentation that will help people to... Um, get into that energetic or whatever vibe where they can allow these things to happen um but not come across as like a complete flake <laughs> so, um so yeah so that's uh basically that jenny i had a question for you oh, um okay. and this actually ended up being kind of a weird uh synchronicity um, which poor Adam, I've been subjecting him to this over the last couple of days. He's been very sweet. Uh, so when I heard that the three of us were going to be on together, um, Jenny, I've been a fan of yours for quite a while. Oh, thanks. Yeah, and I love you just do like this completely righteous research about all these true crime cases. Now, um, I don't know why, like about three years ago, I was noodling around uh, looking uh, stuff about Ed Kemper. Mm -hmm. um, because he was, I grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area during the 70s, and so, you know, a lot of those guys were 
around. Mm, yeah. I was startled when I saw, because, you know, he killed his grandparents when he was 15, and it said that he had killed them in North Fork, California. Now, this got me because um, my Uncle Bob, my great Uncle Bob, had gas station in North Fork, California. My, next door, my mom's cousin Les had a a lodge, like the Buckhorn Lodge. People, go, they have like food and drinking and sawdust on the floor, all that type of stuff. This is up in the Sierra Nevada mountains. And um, so, and my dad and my mom spent summers there growing up. They didn't know each other. And then we would go there all the time uh, growing up to visit my, my uncle and stuff. So I was startled that, you know, that there was this intersection there on top of which, you know, my parents would have been around there and my, my uncle Bob, who was very prominent in town. He was the, uh, the chief of the volunteer fire department for many years. So I asked my dad, I'm like, dad, did you hear about this guy? Plus also he was really tall. And all the uh, guys in that side of the family are like six feet, six to six, six. So they would have noticed someone who was actually taller than any of them. <laughs> and he said, he said to me, I don't know. I don't recall that. But the thing is, is that that's not the only North fork in California. So I'm wondering if you know which North fork Oh my gosh, I don't. I've never been to California. I didn't know there was more than one. Me either until just, just recently. So here's the weird thing because, um, you know, there's the creek fire that is blowing up in California. It started two or three days ago. And it showed up uh, right east of North Fork, my North Fork. And last night, as I wanted to ask you about North Fork, um, they were subject to mandatory evacuation. And I don't know if that town has been burned yet or, or anything. So that's kind of a, a weird intersection. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing is we had that Hennessy fire. Um, actually, I was supposed to be recording a show with uh, Rojan Razorwire and David Metcalf, who's going to be presenting on Folk Magic, um, on the 19th. And then on the 18th of August, I was looking out the deck and you, I took some pictures from the deck and you could just see it looks like a nuclear explosion. At one point it looks like a mothership because it, you know, when that the, the uh, pyrocumulus busts through another layer, it makes that kind of ring. Mm -hmm. It's just crazy. Okay. So we had to cancel that show um, because of all the hecticness. But the funny thing I just realized today was I was watching that fire and I was like up off and on all night watching the, uh, the glow move along the uh, horizon of the, the mountains there. Luckily, it was about 30 miles away from me. But that went into Vacaville and burned structures in Vacaville. And who lives in Vacaville right now? Edmund Kemper. Oh, my uh, gosh. <laughs> Someone's going so, to get him. <laughs> I, uh, I really, if only they burned up him instead of the, uh, you know, that all the people. Happens, though, for some reason, it's just kind of like, this guy yeah, he manages. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so that's the type of things that are kind of a little bit of an unusual uh, intersection. To me, one of the things that's very fascinating about these synchronicities, I don't know why they, I, well, my own personal belief is that there's a, a structure of meaning to the universe and you kind of have these patterns that tend to reveal themselves in certain circumstances. But um, I completely lost my train of thought. I had Lyme disease a number of years ago, and every once in a while, it went to the uh, central nervous system, and I had seizures and stuff, which was very interesting if you like to meditate, because it's a very altered state of consciousness. But sometimes you have these brain farts. Okay, so uh, 
but I'm very interested in tracing the way that the, the kind of the meaning realm or the imaginal realm, the realm of ideas, um, influences the material realm, is reflected in the material realm, and then how that can go back and influence the realm of ideas. Um, you know, if you even just think of like math, obviously that's something that happens in the realm of ideas, right? If I have a bunch of equations on a piece of paper, that's not math because you may not understand it. It's symbols about math. Um, but then if you come up with an equation like Einstein did, that can have huge repercussions on the world. So that's all my stuff. Kiki, the other fun, funny thing about um, Tarot, the reason that uh, uh, Metcalf and uh, Rogan and I were going to be recording on that day when the fire broke out, was because um, it was one of those things just like, okay, we could do it in this week. And everyone's like, it's fine for me. No, any day is fine for me. No, you choose. Okay, I'm finally I'm like, okay, I'm going to pull a card. <laughs> so I got I, I got my deck out and I just chose cards for the days. And just as kind of a lark. And when I opened my, um, got my tarot deck out, this card, I don't know if you could see it that well. Problem, not really, but it was at the top of the deck, and then I shuffled them and I pulled it again. And um, this is from the Secret Dakini Oracle deck, which is pre Golden Girls as well. <laughs> In the 70s, it's like a collage deck, which I really love the imagery. But it was uh, 19 was the day, and it's uh, the Phoenix card, right? The Firebird, and it has a couple of deities in cosmic union, but then it has all these flames at the bottom of it. I wish I could show it to you. You can see a little bit I better than it a little bit, yes. Yeah, which is tricky because then we had this huge, massive, like the third largest, largest fire in California until last week um, or today, uh, bust out that day when I pulled that fire card. So, But it gets it part of the trouble with prophecy and divination, which is it, it deals in a symbol language that can be difficult to map onto our practical mundane time space reality. So, yeah. And, and you know, that's interesting. You say that too. I, I think that, that when people receive those predictions, those prophecies, those psychic insights, they also doubt themselves. Yeah. yeah. You know, there's that, that, well, that can't be right. Nah, that doesn't mean anything. That was wrong. I'm going to pull another card, or I'm just going to ignore that. Yeah. I was um, reading, I did, a few years ago, I did a show on the Alex cast on premonitions, and I so I did a lot of research, and it was very interesting, because there was one article about this group that I thought was fascinating. They were called a Stock Market Dreamers, and it was a bunch of people, I think it was the 80s or 90s, and they wanted to get together and... Um, encourage each other and help each other with being able to to uh, dream the future of the stock market and and become adept at it enough to make money but they all talk about what what you just mentioned first of all then it's like opening that relationship with the subconscious dreaming mind so that you can understand the symbolism and that you're not constantly um, kind of kneecapping yourself or tripping yourself up so it's very much along that uh, process that you were talking about right there. Did they have, so they didn't have any luck figuring, I guess not. We haven't heard of their money. Actually, making. according to the people that, that did this, some of them made quite a bit of money, but it was very much our process. And they, it, this happened like back in the nineties. I don't know that there's been a lot of, you know, documentation or writing up of what they did that I could find. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, I think lots of times, Greg Bishop, another presenter, is real big on this whole idea of uh, small groups of people experimenting privately and then presenting their results as opposed to just kind of this big ongoing 
everything all out there. And yeah. uh, I think there's a lot to be said for that. You know, the stock market, you might want to keep that to yourself too. Yes, <laughs> I think so. <laughs> so, uh, Ginny, um, you got any experiences with tarot? Have you ever had your tarot read? Um, I have not. I kind of got into it when I was a lot younger, but I didn't really get that far into it. I've really only been, I've been to a psychic maybe one time and that was in, um, Casadega, which, you know, if anybody knows anything about anything, it's, you know, that's kind of the place where all the spiritualists went like back in the day. So it's kind of like, there's a lot of psychics there and stuff. So I went there many years ago with my mom and my aunt, but it wasn't like a one-on-one kind of thing. It was almost kind of like, a psychic church. Like you went in there and you sat in a pew and then like the lady would stand in the front and she would like, just go around the room and like tell you each, you know, a thing about yourself or whatever. But you know, I guess because it was so diluted because there was so many people there, she didn't really tell me anything that was um, all that compelling, I guess. But yeah, Mm -hmm. I've, I've never actually had my tarot read, but I do, I, I, you know, I did. I was like really into it, and I do have like a couple of decks, but I had didn't really get all that much into it. Now, the, the things, the thing with tarot for me, it's like, and I, I think I've run this across to you uh, before, Kiki, when I had you on. It's just like, I mean, I have um, my friend Heather that uh, I think you know, Stephanie. She, yeah. um, she, she's read my tarot a lot, and she's really, really good at it. I mean, she really, I mean, like last year at the conference in 2019. She she came and read tarot for like half the day, and she made like a lot of money just do it. I think she she might have made more than we did off the conference, but, <laughs> but uh, so like for me, it's weird because like I will feel like it it is like actually telling me something about my life, but it just times like the more skeptical side of me thinks that it's like a really psychological kind of effect. Like it's almost like whenever that you that you're being told or what you see in the cards. Um, like, it's almost like it's, 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 it can be kind of vague. So it's kind of like whatever that will like, it will fit regardless of your life into your life. But then there's other things that have happened to me that I'm just like, well, that was interesting. Like there, there was a, there was a lot of synchronicities that started in my life, but started with a tarot reading. I'll just leave it at that. But like that, uh, like it, so it can it's almost like it can be like a it can almost start to trigger like synchronicities it, it's like a, its own kind of synchronicity in a weird way i guess is what i'm trying to say well the thing with synchronicity is that the and one of the reasons why i think they're very interesting to study and why i want to get people interested in uh doing their own experiments on that you have the big uh spontaneous paranormal phenomena like uh ufo sightings uh alien kidnaps, uh, ghost stuff, poltergeist, all those things. The problem, the big problem in studying them is that they they just pop up who knows where, they don't necessarily last very long, you can't really get there in time to study it at the time it's happening. However, all of those uh, paranormal phenomena are intricately uh, interrelated with synchronicities. You know, synchronicities will pop up around all that type of stuff. I mean, uh, Jacques Vallée wrote that book, Messengers of Deception, and he has this fantastic synchronicity at the end of it around his research. But, you know, because he's been so focused on this paranormal subject, he wasn't trying to get a synchronicity happening. But the thing with synchronicities is it's a lot easier to get them to kind of uh, start sparking. And then once they start happening, you will have 
thing, more uh, traditionally paranormal things show up. For example, uh, like premonitions, or you can have, you know, UFO sightings or telepathy, dream telepathy. Um, actually, before I pulled this card, I had been in contact with someone who um, we were talking about uh, uh, psychic training you know if you have psychic things happening like pk or you know telepathy or whatever uh how to practice so that you can hopefully gain more control and uh so a couple days before that fire broke out he actually had a dream where he saw my tarot deck and he saw it in this because i made this thing for a billion years ago and it has this kind of mesh over the case and he actually saw he said it's like this translucent thing i was like bang i know that's exactly my tarot deck so you start to have things like that like great uh, dream telepathy um, because you are working with these synchronicities I think sometimes and then hopefully this could be something that you could study more to get a kind of a toe in the door on some of what's happening with some of this paranormal stuff and be able to make it happen more reliably in a laboratory and then also real life settings so you can study it so that's my theory that's cool. What I what I really like about your stuff too, Stephanie, is the role of synchronicity in research. Like you'll start looking into something, exploring some concepts or people or ideas, and then these synchronicities flow and kind of like bring information to you in unexpected ways. And that's I really like that because I've had personal experience in that. I've I've shared some stories with you where similar kind of things happen, and that's like I really think that stuff's really interesting. Yeah, there's like an aspect to, of it too, where you can you can leverage it different ways, and leveraging it for like luck or um, uh, networking or the library angel finding that one document that you know is perfect for your research. No, that's a really great thing, and that that's another thing where if you can do it more consciously, I think people can get a lot of um, great results. I guess David Metcalf was saying that he. Always, he uses synchronicity to find uh, books that would be like way out of his budget. And it'll okay. just kind of like set an intention. I know. I'm thinking everyone, everyone listening is going to want to give me his best friend now. <laughs> but Stephanie he'll kind of try send... to, he's trying to find like obscure salesman books from like 1954. Yep, yep, yep. Right now. Yep. The, the old farmer's almanac from 1923. But um, yeah, so he says he'll set that it's his intention and just kind of wait. And then it'll come up in a strange you know, out of the way, used bookstore or something like that at a price that, you know, a good price. So, yeah, that's that's one aspect of synchronicity is uh, can be very personally useful to, as opposed to just the kind of uh, theoretical research about, you know, what, what the heck is going on, so. Kiki, have you had any, like, really strange and profound synchronicities in your life? <laughs> I don't, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I guess not. I guess the answer, I, I, I guess the short answer is no, because nothing is coming to my head. I, I've definitely had some some strange dreams where very vivid things come up. I, I don't know if I would, if it's synchronicity, but um, I don't know. I have to, I have to obviously like listen to your presentation <laughs> so I could get on the synchronicity bandwagon. <laughs> I definitely have premonitions and I feel like I, I definitely get psychic hits and I definitely get very interesting psychic downloads and my own predictions coming through that I'll, you know, share, but um, 
I don't know. I have intuitive hits. I, I, I feel like it's just a little different. So I'm definitely interested in hearing what I can do to get involved in the group project that you're going to plan. Cool. <laughs> well, the funny thing is that with these, a lot of these things is that, that you know, sometimes it, cause the, the definition is just that you have, you know, like a meaningful coincidence, right? You, some strange, unusual thing has happened that you've noticed because it's meaningful. Um, and you might not sometimes see that meaning really until later, but, um, yeah, like I, like I said before with the, the whole Tarot dream telepathy, I mean, that in conjunction with me pulling the card and stuff is kind of a synchronicity, but it's composed of these things where you could say, oh, this is divination, uh, this is telepathy. So I think there's a lot of overlap, and sometimes it's just you call it one thing because you're just going to call it that. But Right. You know, I, have, you know. I have to think on it. I have to think on it if, if I've had any synchronicities. Um <laughs> I guess I've never, I've never looked for them. That's why I'm so excited and so intrigued to hear what you have to share because it, it would definitely just be something else for me to step into and experience and, and explore and, and think about. And, and, you know, who isn't looking for a leg up? Like, I mean, if there's something that we can do to, to, to help put us in the right direction, you know, let's, let's try it out. Yeah. Stephanie is going to turn up the earth coincidence control office to 11. <laughs> Well, it's a weird thing that when you're talking about like um, like vivid dreams or intuition, because the, the more I've experimented with this, it really reminds me of uh, the surrealist art movement movement because it's it's kind of like you have these things that happen in real life, but they have the logic and kind of symbolism that you would expect in a dream. And Kiki, I wonder about you because you sound like you've done a, lot, a fair amount of uh, psychic training and practice and. Um, certain esoteric people will say that that uh, you know you've allowed that control so that you can go about you know do the normal everyday stuff that you need to do without having you know constant psychic weirdness impinging on you because that can be very very difficult and very challenging to handle. So you know I kind of wonder if you have come up with like a, a way of dealing with this capacity of yours that works out for you. So you don't need to have the synchronicity stuff necessarily or have it be playing out on the world stage, but well, you know. You know, that's interesting too, because um, you know, tarot and, and I do channeling also, I kind <laughs> of, I, I turned the switch off um, when I'm done with the session. I And it does, it feels like sort of this like, I don't know, this etheric switch where I'm just like, okay, the, you know, I'm turning the, the, the open sign off. It's not, you know, going to be it, just because you're right there. It, there is where, where you, if you open yourself up to that all the time and you have that sort of rawness or that vulnerability, it can be very draining um, and very exhausting. And, and it probably, I, I don't know, you know, um, I, I've always called myself like an antenna, you know, when you're, when you're an empath or you're very sensitive, you just, you just pick up on, on, on the frequencies that everybody is putting out there. Um, and, and so, yeah, you do have to learn certain methods and ways to sort of stay grounded and, and, and turn things down or turn things off and, and turn things on when you need them again. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I've got to I've got to start looking for synchronicities now. Maybe something will happen. I have a lot of I'm in a very transitory time right now, um, and a, li a liminal time, liminal space. Exactly. God, it really, it truly is. It's it's something special, and we're we're really shifting into that time of year where everybody talks about that 
liminality or your, I guess that's a word, you know, that, that, that fuzziness between our world and the other world, you know, everybody the kind of, of the veil. Yes. Yep. That, that yep. thinning of the veil is always that autumnal some sensation. So mm -hmm. um, it's a good time to have the conference. Yeah, it, it, is. it is. It really is. It's only like a few days after the, the fall equinox, right? Yeah. Well, by the way, uh, uh, Jenny, Serfiel mentioned the Earth Coincidence Control Office, or <laughs> ECHO for short. That's, uh, that's a reference to a doctor named John Lilly, who did all these weird like ketamine experiences. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I've he heard was, of that, yeah. He Alter was the guy that Altered States was based off of. That's right. Yes, we reviewed that movie not too long ago. That's yeah, like that's... I've always been fascinated by that kind of stuff. It's just kind of yeah. like I don't know. I I should delve more into that, like into more altered states type of stuff because that's like that's always really interesting to me, especially me like somebody that because I'm kind of trying to get back more into like writing more fiction and stuff, and I feel like I need to kind of like. I don't know, like go off into another dimension maybe for a little while and like get some new ideas and stuff. Cause I feel like I'm too, I feel like I'm too grounded in reality sometimes, you know? Uh -oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, this has been excellent guys. Really. Thank you for coming on and doing this, giving us like little brief preview of your, um, of your, of your presentations. So just like real quick guys. Um, so Jenny, Mm -hmm. You are scheduled, I think. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Gotta grab the wrong thing. I'm, uh... Last on Friday night. Yeah, I'm like at 1040, something like that. Yeah, 1040 to 1140. That's yeah, yeah. the time. Okay? Because this being a, uh... This being an online conference, not everybody's going to be in the same time zone. We got people going to be watching from Australia and from England and all kinds of places. So, and then Kiki, as we mentioned before, you are speaking Saturday morning at 11.05, 12.05 Eastern Time. And then Stephanie, you are at 3 o'clock to, you are basically like, I think, 4.10 to like 3.10 on um, Sunday, I believe. Yeah. If I, I provide this thing a couple of times, so hopefully that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, tell everybody, starting with Jenny, everybody like uh, where they can find you guys, and uh, we'll just uh, go from there. Okay, easiest place to find me is just go to YouTube and search for 13 o'clock podcast. You'll see all the stuff there. We do a weekly show about various topics, paranormal, true crime, weird history, just all kinds of anything that's weird or spooky. We do shows about that. We also do movie reviews, usually horror movies or sci-fi, old movies and new movies. Uh, so all of that, I also just started doing horror book reviews, so check those out as well. Or you can just go to my website, www.jennyashford.com, and that has links to all the books I've written and all the podcasts and everything else that I do, also my artwork and all that other kind of stuff. Okay. Uh, Kiki? 
think the best way to reach me is through my website, kikidombrowski.com. If you don't remember how to spell that, you could just Google Kiki Tarot and I just pop up at the top of the search um, or, or close to the top. Kiki Tarot, kikidombrowski.com. Uh, I'm a little bit bashful on social media, but I do my best. If you want to reach out to me on social media, the best place to do so is Twitter. And my Twitter handle, I guess they call it a handle, the at um, is KikiD333. So I'd love for us to connect there. All right. And Stephanie. Yeah. Yeah, first of all, Adam and Surfreel, thank you so much. And it was really delightful to speak with you, Jenny and Kiki. I'm looking forward to more. Um, uh, if you go to my blog, it's called Ghost Dog is a Mystery Box. And the address is stephaniequick.home.blog. And if you go to the About page, I have like my Twitter uh, handle there. It's Wander and Britches, but it's spelled this weird way, which I don't know why I spelled it that way so many years ago. Um, I'm also on Facebook at Stephanie Quick. Um, yeah, so probably the, the blog is the easiest, and you can go to the About page and find more ways to contact me. So that's it. Cool. Okay, excellent. All Thank right. Thank you all so, for coming on. Yes. Thank yes, you. Yeah. Thank you so, so much. Stay, stay with us here for a little bit. Uh, I'm going to close this out, and I'll end the stream. Uh, so what we are doing, guys, we are doing previews tonight with uh, – was presenters from our upcoming Strange Realities Conference. Next up at about 10.45-ish or so, we're going to have Soraya, Askath, and Where Did the Road Go, Timothy Winter from Strange Familiars, and the great and only Joshua Cutchin are all three going to be here with us in just about, in less than two hours. So make sure you guys check that out. And information, you guys have probably seen it if you're watching now on the stream or you're watching later www.strangerealitiesconference.com $20 to see these three fine presenters and also about 18 more of them at the Strange Realities Conference. So take advantage of that, guys. Uh, tickets are selling quick. We're not, you know, no pun intended, Stephanie. Uh -huh. <laughs> My mom uh, actually bought a ticket as well, so there's no excuse for anything. Oh, nice, nice, nice. Nice. Okay. That's right. Okay. All right, so thank you, thank you so much, and uh, we will be back in a couple of hours like it's being normal. Awesome. And here we are. We are back, guys. We are, Welcome we are, back. We are finally live, and I don't think there's any like annoying buzz this time because I have it set to the right microphone. We're still working out the kinks. So we've got another set of three speakers, and these guys are some of my favorite uh, researchers and podcasters and all the way around great guys, two of which uh, were at Strange Realities 2019 last year. So I want to welcome back Soraya Askath. Say hello, Hi. Soraya. Hello. And uh, Joshua Cutchin. Hi, everybody. I'm still alive. And uh, <laughs> yeah, you're still alive. That's always good to hear. Yeah, and Timothy good. Renner of the Strange Familiars podcast. Hello. Hello, I, I, guys. I kind of feel like Dr. Evil because the cat is on top of me. <laughs> I was going to ask if that's, the, <laughs> if that's the Soraya as cat. 
<laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah, and we're and that's she wants to get down, but she doesn't know how to let go. Yeah, we are. Uh, uh, we, we are. We are visited by Soraya's cat tonight. So um, this should be interesting, guys. We're gonna go about for like about you know probably forty five to an hour here. Uh, just whatever we get to, we get to talking to. So let's start. We are going to start talking about you guys' presentations, what you guys are going to be talking about, and we'll just kind of take it from there. And why don't we just start with you, Soraya? What of are you course. going to be talking about at the Strange Realities 2020 coming uh, up? What am I going to be talking about? I'm going to be talking about uh, time and different ways of looking at uh, the paranormal and how time doesn't seem to work the way it – you know, I, I, I've done – a. I did a podcast on, on what I can only call a mechanism that, that I suspect has something to do with how the paranormal works. So I'm going to expand on that a little bit. And uh, it involves around how time doesn't work the way we think it does. But it's also going to be about looking at other, uh, other, things, other ways we can look at this phenomena and the ways it's interconnected, particularly by poltergeist phenomena. Okay. And what's cool. uh like what kind of like re- research have you done like who's like some of the authors that you've that you've kind of picked up from all this? Let's like is Eric Wargo one of the authors? You're well, yeah, talking about? Eric Wargo definitely um, clicked certain things in my head, but it's really just a conglomeration of everything uh, at some point clicking and making this sort of make sense to me in a way that like just seemed to work. I don't know if that's what's happening, but it, there's there's no easy way of dismissing it either or proving it unfortunately so you're almost presenting like a unified field theory no the it's not it, it doesn't explain what the paranormal is but it may explain some of the way that the paranormal manifests and why okay that's the mechanism okay right right that's why i call it a mechanism rather than any kind of, of like a, a overall theory and okay. it's how it always works but in some cases and it's a matter of taking time not as something that's cause and effect. Or it is cause and effect, but not always from, from past to present, but sometimes from future to present. So, yeah, Eric Wargo uh, kind of, like, spawned that on, as did um, – I can't remember his name. He wrote a book on UFOs as poltergeist phenomena. Oh, uh, Eric Wallet. Yes, that's it, Eric Wallet. Like, his book – you know, like, I, I read his book. I loved it, and I thought he's on to something, but there's more to it than this. That's that's really exciting because that might actually dovetail with, uh, like Tim, I'm looking beyond where the footprints end. That sounded kind of funny. Um, <laughs> to some other projects and one of them that actually might, um, I might have to, to steal some of your ideas like I apparently stole your wilderness poltergeist <laughs> idea. Well, you, you, you named it. The name is totally yours. <laughs> no, no, no. It's, um, <clears throat> I, uh. But yeah, I, 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 I'm really looking forward to that. I remember listening to that podcast, and I was sort of it was one of those one of those episodes where I wasn't paying complete attention, mm. and because I wasn't, I couldn't follow it. It yeah. was it, it's 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 a complex enough idea that you have to be like dedicated to to figuring it out. So I'm going to go back and listen to that before I hear it, your it, presentation. It's hard to explain too. Tim here suggested I, I I apply some visual ideas to it to help kind of like make it easier to comprehend and that that might help that did help me like just i guess being a somewhat visual person that helped me sort of grasp more because uh 
you know, I had heard people describe time as a, as a ribbon that's laid over on itself before. And where it's touching is where you get these bleed throughs and stuff. Right, right. And then I thought, well, maybe it's, maybe it's not that organized. Maybe it's like a ball of, a tangled ball of string that's just smashed together. Yeah. And then you said, no, it's more like a lake. And that actually made a lot more sense to me because it's yeah. like it's, you're in the lake and it's, you know, all around you. And, and, and a big event is going to make bigger ripples and more likely that people are going to pick up on it and respond to it without realizing that that's what's happening. Right. Well, when you think about those random number generators and whatnot that were <clears throat> positioned, uh, you know, before 9-11 that seemed to, in hindsight, uh, indicate that something big was going to happen. So that, yes. that, that, that idea definitely tracks. Yeah, that whole idea about uh, time being a... The, the event causing the ripples that go to the left, to the right, and that being back and forward in time, that that is extremely fascinating to me. I mean, it, it, and it also dovetails with, you know, the work of Daryl Bim and his pre-sentiment experiments from yeah. Cornell University. Yes, yes it does. Yep. Right. I, I, I applied as many of the sci like when I looked through this, I said, okay, what sci experiments have we done that holds up this? And there's quite a few of them. Well, sci is the most reputable field of of paranormal research hands down in my exactly. in my opinion you know yeah. it's it's, it's yeah. the one it's the one where when, when i talk to people about their buy-in of believing in this stuff i'm like if you can just buy this one thing that is like practically <laughs> scientifically proven in a laboratory i mean i think that if, if it was just for a slight shift in paradigm we wouldn't even be having this as a debate anymore but here we I, are and and i think an easy example is something like a uh like a banshee so, you know, someone experiences a banshee because, and they know a loved one is going to die. But the first event is the loved one dying. And that sends waves of energy backwards. And the person may not interpret it as like a, a psychic revelation. They may not go, oh, so-and-so is going to die or have a dream. Instead, it just kind of hits their unconscious. And their unconscious, using, you know, energy that's now traumatizing to them, creates a poltergeist. So in that case, what you're saying is is that it sends the energy kind of back in time, right? And that creates this phenomenon that is almost like the the harbinger, right? It come, the, the, it, it's our response to that energy on an unconscious level creates a poltergeist. Now, in some cases, if it's something massive like the Mothman, it might be that there's also an other that sees this huge reservoir of energy open up and tries to get through and communicate with us. Wow. Okay. Yeah, and, we're not silent because we think you're crazy. We're silent because we're chewing on it. So yes, it's yeah, it's hard to wrap your brain around. I don't know how I wrapped my brain around it the first time. It was kind of there, and I'm like, I need to write this down, and I don't know how. So what you're saying is like with the okay, you, you mentioned the Mothman. So we're saying that it's like manifesting some kind of like physical entity in a sense. Well, I think he's saying that it creates like a gate. It, it, it creates like some kind of gate or rip that other things can come through as well. Right. So think, okay. With, with the Mothman, you had a perfect storm. You had an area that was already had a lot of weird energy to it. You had, according to John Keel, a lot of people who were either psychic or latently psychic. And you had an incredibly traumatic event that happened. I mean, what, what could be worse for a small community than a bridge collapse killing all those people on Christmas Eve or whatever it was? Right. You know, I mean, this is something that's going to send reverberations through time. Yeah. So extending the lake metaphor, you know, 
if if time is a lake and you've got these re- reverberations and whatnot, Mothman's like a bass, <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> that, 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 that jumped that, you know, that managed because there were so many, you know, ripples or whatever. There was so maybe there was so much uh, wake on the lake. It was a rhyme. There's so much wake on wake on the lake that it ended up just jumping out of the water for a little bit. Right. So, right. So there, there's a question here from YouTube, Soraya. They want to know if you're familiar with something. Can you see no, that on the screen? I, I can't even pronounce that, but no, I'm not familiar with it. Okay. Let us know what that is in the, uh, put that in the chat because yeah, that yeah. might be something that is, that is, uh, I definitely want to look into that. Okay. Um, but also like with, with, with that type of thing, I mean, you, you have that perfect storm. And so some people would have dreams of things like the, 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 you know, the presence in the river and stuff like that. But other people were probably picking it up on an unconscious level, which is what creates poltergeist activity is trauma on an unconscious level where it has no outlet. And so it may have also created a tulpa that became the Mothman. It may be that something else there saw a look at this big pool of energy. Let's, let's utilize this. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be any number of things. Like I said, it's not an explanation for what happened, but maybe more of a mechanism of why this stuff happened for the three years or so before the bridge collapsed and then stopped at the bridge collapse. Okay. Or, or even something like Soraya, like an egregore, right? I mean, right. could that right. be what Mothman sort is? Of, a a topa of. that is inhabited by an actual entity. Then you're yeah. getting really, then you're getting really complicated. Yeah. That and we that, the problem is we can't prove any of that stuff. You know, we right. don't know sure. yeah. it could be anything from a topa to an actual other to a a phantasm. I mean, you know, we have no way of knowing. And we may never know. I'm personally looking for Mothman nests and and the eggs that are in them that hatch the baby Mothman. Um <laughs> because cryptozoology. I want a, I want a baby Mothman. Me too. I'll 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 get one for you. Um, Soraya, forgive me if you mentioned this on that episode where you outlined this theory, and uh, and if it spoils too much of the lecture, don't address it. But um, does a uh, time dilation and missing time is this idea account for that? I can't recall. Uh, I don't think I addressed that. Okay. Tim, Tim and I were talking about the other night. Um, Seth had once said that time moves at the speed that your brain can process events. I knew Seth was going to get mentioned tonight. Yeah, yeah. Well, See, that's precognitive. precognitive. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. Um, there's, regardless of what Seth was, there's a lot of really deep wisdom in the stuff that we've written. Um, but if you look at that, it kind of makes sense because when you're bored and sitting around, time crawls. When you're busy, time flies. So if you're having a weird experience and you know an uh, abnormal experience, maybe time's moving in a completely different way. You're perceiving it in a completely different way, and when you get done with it, you're like, "Oh, I'm missing time," but you weren't. It's just that you were processing so much stuff that time just jumped almost. Okay, I, I agree with I agree with part two. Part one push. Uh, part one. Uh... Is, is a direct refutation of the theory of relativity, though. Yeah. I mean, which we're, is we're talking, a theory, we're talking, right? We're, to, we're talking subjective versus empirical. Okay, fair enough. So interesting comment in the YouTube section says, Kiel said in Eighth Tower that Mothman UFOs and other paranormal event were control right. mechanisms. 
And is that, is, is that, rela- that is that related to you to, to your idea? No, no. But it could okay. be used that way. I mean, okay. if something wanted to use it as a control mechanism, there would be the energy to do it. I guess the mechanism I'm talking about is that you're having an event that's that generally creates poltergeist activity. But the mm-hmm. event's actually happening in the future. It's happening first. We know that stuff moves backwards in time. Daryl Bem's experiment is kind of one of the things that triggered that. Right. Because when people would see images of violence or sexuality, that's what they were picking up in the brain scans moments before the image was even chosen. Which suggests that, yes, this stuff moves backwards. So that's a very minor thing. That's just an image versus, again, a bridge collapse in a small community killing however many people it killed in, you know, on, in the holidays, you know, like how much worse can that be? They could have all had diarrhea. <laughs> Thanks, Josh. Oh. <laughs> no, that's, that's an excellent point. There's a critical mass of, uh, of things that are, <clears throat> yeah. Of, of things that are happening that just sort of, yeah. Echo backwards that, that, that tracks. And and you see stuff like nine eleven when you mentioned with the the random number generator and stuff right. that you know and plenty of people had dreams of nine eleven plenty of people had um, you know did artwork of the twin towers on fire yeah the, the iconography was there the iconography was there in there in place for decades yeah so I mean some of it could just be that 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 was an obvious target but I suspect that people were picking up but unlike. The Mothman, where it's a small town and it affected a very distinct community in a very distinct area, 9-11 kind of had a widespread effect. Mm-hmm. So you didn't have a Mothman-like effect from something like 9-11 because it, w- it, wasn't ice- it wasn't focused enough. Yeah, and you can see little minor sinks that sort of line up, line up with the uh, coronavirus pandemic, too. Yes. Um, yeah. Which would suggest that you're onto something. And I've well, had enough. I've had enough prophetic dreams that I know things move backwards in time. Either that, or we're just we're going in a straight line, and we don't get choices. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's kind of what that's kind of Eric Wargo's thing, isn't it? That we don't really yeah. have free will. Yeah. yeah, but you disagree with that, I think. I, I sometimes. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to say. Like I, I want to disagree with that. Mm-hmm. Um. But at the same time, I'm not 100% sure that I actually disagree with him. It's the, the thing is, though, you wouldn't know. You wouldn't know the difference. Like, if you, if, you're ma- if you feels like you're making choices, then you wouldn't know you're not making choices. Yeah, there's, uh, Dave Altman says there was a group of kids that had dreams of 9-11 that the FBI looked into. Yeah, I remember hearing about that. Well, and also another good example, um, Soraya, that you might want to think about too is um, the. Uh, I was just talking with a, a friend the other day about uh, the code names that appeared in British newspaper in British newspaper crossword puzzles just before Operation Overlord on D Day. Um, hmm. There was an entire string that May of uh, crossword puzzles that featured very important. Uh, <laughs> very, excuse me, very important uh, code words like, again, like Overlord, like Omaha, like Normandy, all these different things um, would ap- appear in like, in like the same uh, the same publication, if, I, if memory serves, um, which would also, again, be a, be some, a huge event, like a, a history-changing event that would sort of create a psychic 
ripple backwards. Okay, well, let right. me ask let me ask this question about this about these huge events. Now, are we dealing with the fact that we're dealing with things that are mass deaths of people, and that that causes some kind of psychic rift in and of itself? I think it's Trump. so like. So just any kind of trauma. So yeah. if there, so if you had something like the Tunguska explosion, Tunguska. right? That uh, you know didn't really kill anybody, but was in a really isolated area. I don't think that would have caused caused the same yeah. type of thing because there was no real trauma there. I because again, it it didn't kill anybody. It may have been traumatic to the landscape, but I don't know that we we interpret that the same way. So you two comment here with that Sarai's theory in mind, could ultra-terrestrial beings, fourth-dimensional beings, could then see the future past the ripples and work within that? Absolutely. Okay. And I think when we deal with the other, it's not working with time the same way we are. Hmm. No, that seems pretty patently apparent. Yeah. All right. Keel noted that way back that they seem to be outside of time. So let's get to... uh, Let's get to Josh. Josh, what are you going to be talking about at our Strange Realities Conference? The Buzz and the Beast. Uh, altered states of consciousness in Bigfoot uh, encounters. The subtitle might change, but I like The Buzz and the Beast. Um, I was going to say Psychedelic Bigfoot, which is a lot sexier name, but <laughs> but uh, I, I don't think I can quite go with that psychedelic uh, label because a lot of these don't seem to be centered around that. But uh, I've, I've long said that the last, you know, paranormal discipline, if you, you know, to, so to speak, that would ever actually fully embrace the problem of consciousness would be cryptozoology because, you know, a lot of them are very uh, materialist minded. You know, they want to capture Bigfoot. They want to find the Mothman eggs. <laughs> they want to, you know, they want to, they're, they're convinced that their, their quarry is something that can be, you know, stuffed and mounted in the, in the Smithsonian, quite a few of them. And uh, so, so I'm exploring the possibility that uh, there could be a an altered state experience uh, in the Bigfoot, uh, in, in sort of the, the catalog of Bigfoot encounters. Um, a lot of this is looking into uh, the the possibility of sound being an instigator uh, in terms of facilitating the altered state of consciousness. You know, there's a real problem. Amongst uh, the flesh and blood hypothesis crowd, that uh, where, where they like to, we get to see the eye rolls on these. <laughs> I know, I know, right? They, they, they like to. Uh, on the one hand, they'll say, you know, well, you can't explain one unknown with another. That's 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 you know, that's that's poor science, and that's that's not very intellectually honest. Um, but uh, you know, the fact of the matter is that um, at the same time, in the same breath, they'll they'll say that. Uh, that infrasound is the answer for everything, you know, infrasound, infrasound, infrasound. Oh, you were dizzy, infrasound. Oh, you were disoriented after your Bigfoot encounter, infrasound. Oh, you had missing time after your Bigfoot encounter, infrasound. Um, but, uh, you know, and while infrasound is a real thing that certain large predators do employ, um, we haven't even established that Bigfoot exists unless that they have the mechanisms to produce infrasound. Right. So um, I found a really interesting thread uh, through several different encounters of uh, some pretty consistent descriptions of sounds immediately preceding uh, these encounters. Um, sounds that uh, seem to be drone-like. Now, of course, this flies in the face of the fact that you do get the odds factor in a lot of Bigfoot encounters. Um, right. But, uh, but, you know, you have to sort of 
except the fact that not every encounter is necessarily going to adhere to the same parameters. Um, so there, there does seem to be no shortage of, of sightings where there is some sort of, you know, some sort of buzzing sound or droning sound that occurs. And so we're looking at that. And uh, if we have time, we might even dig into some Bigfoot mind speak, which is just fun and goofy. And I love it. Nice. Bigfoot mind speak. So they've gone beyond the Sierra sounds now. Is that- oh yeah. Oh yeah. There's, there's plenty of, plenty of mind speak, plenty of, I mean, plenty of really well um, positioned, well, res- well respected, uh, Bigfoot researchers and enthusiasts who have described you know, Bigfoot directly, you know, having a telepathic link. And, you know, a lot of these messages, if they aren't, I would say that, you know, the bulk of these messages are something along the lines of like, you know, don't harm me and I won't harm you. Or, you know, uh, don't take a, please don't take a picture of me <laughs> literally. Um, but sometimes, you know, they often sort of fall into that sort of rote uh, 1950s, 1960s contacty sort of, uh, message of you know unification and environmental uh, environmental respect and, and, and things along those lines. It's just like it, it's just like complete uh, melding with uh, the alien the alien stuff. Too. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, like that. This is, remember when they were when they were uh, warning about nuclear war and all this kind of stuff. Like was like Whitley Strieber talks about in communion. Mm-hmm. It's like, and a lot of that's now, now it's Bigfoot warning against ecological disaster. It's just like, what in the world is going on? Yeah. The messages are, are very similar. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so it's, it's one of those things where it's, it's been quite in vogue to sort of invoke uh, the possibility of altered states in regarding UFOs and fairies. Uh, but uh, nobody, I don't think anybody has really tackled it with Bigfoot before. So I'm really excited to, to bring that to the fore. Uh, and there's, you know, there's, there might be some, um, <laughs> there might be some live demonstrations. Oh, so you'll be passing well. out tabs of acid. During yeah, no, 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 <laughs> no. I might have I to. You'll have to, you'll, you'll, you'll have to mail them. Oh, right. You want to send through the mail, no, Josh? It'll, it'll be like Oprah. Everybody look under your seats <laughs> and, <laughs> and open up the envelope with the tab of that. Maybe we could do that at Strange Realities 3, okay? Where, uh, where yeah. everybody so back the, together again. The, the, one of my fellow bandmates in Stone Breath, he had his own band, and they used to do a song uh, about uh, Timothy Leary. And they would have this fake sort of mass uh, for Timothy Leary while they played the song. And one time they were playing at this festival and they had all these sugar cubes, which they had randomly dosed certain sugar cubes. With nice. LSD. Wow. And people came up to take communion and they, they like, I would never have done that. I feel like that's a lawsuit in the, in the uh, making, but they had yeah. randomly dosed certain sugar cubes. And so certain people got a real dose. Yeah. That gets into issues of consent wow. as well. Yeah. But, uh, well. I mean, yeah. I think I think people thought it was. I mean, they kind of announced that it was going to be a a, a oh, thing. Okay. okay. You know, yeah. But uh, they they did not announce that only certain ones were going to be. But anyway. Well, no, it, it won't be that. It won't be that involved or that impressive. All right. <laughs> but but uh, th- that there should be a there should be an there should be an audio component to some of those. Yeah. So this is so, so. Is your next book going to be on sound? Are you finally attaching sound? 
Huh? No, because you know there are people who've done like the paranormal rock stuff and like you know rock and roll ghosts and there's p- tons of there's a lot of stuff with paranormal music. I don't I don't think, I mean maybe at some point I'll I'll tackle that. But uh, you got to get all the senses. Yeah, I know. Touch is going to be kind of creepy, isn't it? <laughs> with all those all those alien abduction stories, paranormal bad touch. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us where the Bigfoot touched you. Yeah, exactly. Show me on the show me on the show me on the doll where the alien touched you. Uh or the alien probe you. Um uh but uh no, actually my next my next official thing uh, after Where the Footprints in Volume Two is a I'm curating a book of essays on fairies and cinema. Um but but you know, mostly I would say about half the essays are on films that don't look like fairy films when you start set into them. But then you, you know, if, if you think of it in that way, it actually ends up make the, the films end up making more sense. So that's the components are there. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody, somebody has a comment here. If Bigfoot is telepathic, why doesn't he telepathically refer people to important writers to explain his existence? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that's, that's because the nature of this stuff is to drive us forwards. Yeah, or to drive us insane, one of the two. Yeah, the, well. the hidden it sounds like the hidden hand. Yeah. Yeah, honestly, you know, thinking about certain things that I've gone through, um I really think that you kind of have to be brought to I think the best way to there's I'll I'll parrot Ann Streber and say that this has something to do with death, but also yeah. like, you know, ego death and also um being brought to the threshold and being brought to low points. And, you know, the number of people who have, the number of people who have gone mad looking into this stuff is, uh, is pretty impressive. And, uh, I've only barely dodged the bullet myself actually. Um, by no, you know, by no, uh, by no real, in my opinion, fault of my own. I was just interested in this stuff and then things kind of sort of fall apart a little bit. (laughs) Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, you know, here there be dragons, I guess. I like dragons. Who doesn't? <laughs> Who doesn't? Yeah, I, I, I do think a lot of this stuff is meant to ask us questions. It's meant to, to make us investigate our own reality, our own perceptions more. I mean, I know my experiences with it have always been things that drove me forwards in a positive way. And I think part of that is how you embrace it. Like I've said many times, I think the alien abduction experience is a shamanic awakening that is being hijacked by people who think it's a negative experience. Oh, uh-huh. yeah, absolutely. And they're using things like hypnosis to enforce that that archetype. So you're 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 just they're unintentionally doing it, but they are turning what could be a very positive growth experience into something to be terrified of. Or, or, you know, I mean, you know, I, or there, I mean, there, there might very well be a legitimately negative component to, to a lot of the stuff. Some you know, of it, yeah. It's, you, know, that's, you, you learn a lot from negativity. That's the thing. Well, yeah, that's, that, that's a very, you know, I've been thinking a lot about uh, trauma and, and uh, tragedy in people's lives lately. And uh, it's, it's such a very, you know, Western thing to not want to accept the fact that, uh, there is th- th- that suffering has value, you know, 
And that's it's like, that's the old atheistic argument of like you know well how can God exist if this seven year old has brain cancer and like you know as as a parent like that's absolutely heart wrenching and I get it, but if you're looking at this from a you know I won't even say a thousand foot level I'll say like you know one million foot spiritual level if you're looking at this from the outside of the galaxy, um, you know maybe there maybe there really is some sort of karmic value in suffering some sort of spiritual value in suffering. Uh, that suffering yeah. challenges us. Mm-hmm. If you're not challenged, you, you you tend to get stagnant. Yes, that's a, a very I, resonant message. I, I I think the happiest and most content I ever was in my life, I was also the most stagnant. Hmm. And when that ended, it was one of the worst experiences of my life, and it also propelled me forwards the furthest. Well, you know, you think about any sort of like, you know, up and coming artist of any kind who wants to get success. And usually once they get success, that's when their output just really tanks. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's alchemy really is what it is. It's all about, you know, the alchemical process. It's not really about finding the philosopher's stone. It's about, it's about, uh, the, it's about the climb up the mountain, not the summit itself. Yes. Does that sound like a cat poster now? It's, it's, it's the journey, <laughs> not, not the destination. Yeah, but uh, you should so, have yeah. that as you should have that as your personal aphorism there on your wall, there, Josh. <laughs> um, um, unless, of course, you're tired and driving home, then it's totally about the destination and getting there awake. That's true. <laughs> That's true. Um, but uh, yeah, so I'm excited. It's it's a little bit of a little bit of a teaser for uh, volume two of where the footprints end. Because okay. that's, I, I came to the realization the other day that I've been dealing with this project for longer than my sons have been alive, which mm-hmm. is really weird. <laughs> but we're we're uh, we're getting ready to slide into home base here, and I'm really excited. Tim, they call him Tim. Yeah. What uh, what is your uh, presentation going to be on at our Strange Realities conference? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I think Tim prefers to be called Samuel. What? Yeah, I, I just heard that somewhere. I am. Um, I'm missing that one. That's Other days he likes to be called Randy, but I guess you can call him Tim. Yeah, um, call, so call him Tim. Either on uh, gifting in the Bigfoot phenomenon, or um, I'm actually leaning more towards doing something on uh, um, disappearing evidence. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that would be pretty nice. Is there a place where those uh where those inter those two intersect? I mean, you know, yeah, in our books. But uh <laughs> generally, um yeah, I mean uh, you know quite possibly uh I'm sure I could think of some example where you know, gifting as and disappearing evidence have, have uh you know, those Venn diagrams, I'm sure, cross. But, uh, you know, I mean, they would be two separate presentations. You know, it's just a matter of me choosing which one I want to do. When you talk about disappearing evidence, what, uh, I mean, is it all kinds of evidence? Is it all cr- across the board or is it well, more it, it tends specific to things? Throughout the paranormal, but I would be focusing, just because the focus of the book is, you know, Bigfoot phenomena, I would be, you know, Focusing on its expression in the Bigfoot phenomenon. 
Okay, so we're going to end this thing basically with Bigfoot. I mean, it's like, like as you said, uh, as you said last year, uh, Adam. It's uh, it's it's the epoch of Bigfoot. You know, there's there's there he is. Yes, 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 it is. Yeah, he's <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> but no, in all seriousness, you know, I I see. I feel like it was in like the '90s that you used to see, you know, the gray alien everywhere. You know, that was like the the cool iconography. Mm-hmm. And now it's just. Bigfoot everywhere. Oh, yeah, you know, I, was, I was up in the mountains of Georgia at a location where I would not expect to see a lot of Bigfoot paraphernalia, and I totally saw a bunch of Bigfoot bumper stickers and shirts and all sorts of stuff. It's just it's oh, it's, yeah. it's all it's taken over in a big way. Yep. Well, you know, um, Josh, you and I were up there, and we were down at uh, the expedition Bigfoot. Right. Not, that, not really that long ago, if you really think about it. And then I went back and I love how you guys, especially you, Tim, like you typify Expedition Bigfoot as like basically a shrine. To that Bigfoot. wasn't me. That was that me quoting J- Josh, who was quoting, was it Metcalf? David Metcalf. Yeah. That, oh, was, okay. that, was, that, was, that was Metcalf's okay. observation. Yeah. I, I, I gave him credit in the book. I gave him credit in the book. <laughs> but yeah, uh, f- finish your thought, Adam. Sorry. Well, no, I was just going to say, just like, you know, because there's um, there's the whole thing about Bigfoot, the shrine to Bigfoot, and then all of a sudden Bigfoot appears. Yeah, it's so. interesting. I've, I've had a couple of interactions with the owner of the museum, David Bacara, who's a real nice guy. And uh, he... Uh, it's it's you know it it has all the it really has all the trappings of a temple you know it has sacred relics it's a place for believers to gather it's a place for non-believers to be converted um and uh he put it he you know he put this bigfoot museum in north georgia which is a bigfoot hotspot go fig um so you know it it has all the earmarks that you would that you would expect from uh, you know a pagan shrine you know i mean they've even Taking Bigfoot poop and put yeah. it on display, like it's even like like literally the excrement of this creature. They're like, Ooh, you know, yeah. yeah. There's the other. There's like a a, a two foot shellacked Bigfoot poop in there, which sounds kind of goofy until you see it. And it, I mean, and it's still goofy, but <laughs> but um, but when you see it, you're like, oh, that is kind of that is kind of strange. Um, I mean, I've never had a continuous two foot poop, so. It was it was much bigger than Abraham Lincoln's poop, which was in the the dye museum up here. Abraham Lincoln poop. I went there. It was it I was supposed to be Abraham Lincoln poop. It was supposed to be Abraham Lincoln's last poop. At some point, they analyzed it though, <laughs> and they found Necco wafers in it. <laughs> Time travel, Soraya. There you go. And, and, and so they figured it could, it could not, in fact, be Abraham Lincoln's wow. poop because Necco wafers came post-Lincoln. Not terribly wow. long after Lincoln. Well, I was about to say, if you could analyze Lincoln's poop and analyze Bigfoot's poop, would you come to the same conclusions? I was going to say, you know, would there be a similarity there? Because you know, Lincoln, was, Lincoln was a rather tall man for his time. Maybe he was really Bigfoot but shaved down nicely. Yes, yes. He our, is, our uh, first Sasquatch president. He was my. He is my third cousin, Abraham Lincoln. Cool, really. Third, third cousin, three times removed. Yes, oh. we share. We share a grandparent somewhere. Way, 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 way. So you really? are Bigfoot in disguise. 
<laughs> so related to your talk, Josh, what a has there ever been any mushrooms popping up on Bigfoot's feces? Oh, I mean, I don't. I can't say for certain. Um, no, and and the number of the number of um, this is something I looked for in, in the book uh, when I was doing this chapter. That this is an excerpt of more or less an adapted excerpt of. I was really looking for you know uh, Bigfoot appearing in trips, and I didn't really you know I I went to all the places Arrowhead and you know the Blue Vault, um, the usual places where you find trip reports, and scoured them and only found just a just one or two things. Um, so that was a little bit disappointing, but uh, but um, you know it's interesting. There's a if you've seen the, <laughs> I actually I work another reference to this film in. The, the, in the second book, and I'm really proud that I was able to do it. Um, if you've ever seen Tenacious D in the Pick of Destiny, um, <laughs> it's uh, I, I, I reference it in another chapter. But um, you know that's that was that was what uh, Jack Black sees when he uh, when he has his mushroom trip as he sees Bigfoot that he calls mm-hmm. Papageno, um, and they have a big trippy Bigfoot. Uh, experience where the culminating in a float in the strawberry river. So, um, but you know, but I've asked around, not just, not, not just going to those websites. I've actually asked people, um, uh, you know, who I've asked people whom I would think would have heard about this, uh, to not get too specific. And, uh, nobody's ever really come into any, any reports of people seeing like large hairy hominids, in their trips. It's not a common thing. Again, I found a couple, found a handful, but yeah. but uh, it seems it, I'm more interested in, in this case in sort of the mechanism mm-hmm. uh, that could possibly be happening. And uh, sure. there are, there are weird buzzes. What's a, what an interesting cross section there. I mean, that's cross pollination between two or three different things, Josh. Uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> you say that I'm behind deadline. I'm preparing the presentation, so <laughs> uh-huh. I've got. I've well, got I'm, I, I know what it needs to be done. I just need to need to sort of tighten tighten up the. Uh, yeah, well, you're fine. According to Soraya, we still got two months. Yeah, That's two months. Right. We're, we're still in July. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. I th- I think so. I think it's like July 22nd or something like that. Well, I mean, I mean it, it was 90 degrees out today. It's got to still be July. Well, you know, it's kind of funny. I originally um, was not supposed to be able to do this because I was supposed to have a gig in Washington State. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. And so, you know, ironically enough, the same thing that made us that made the conference have to go virtual is the same thing that allowed me to be here because that right. uh, that particular engagement, thankfully, got uh, got punted to next year. So, yeah, yeah, we're glad to have we're glad that you're you're on board with us again this year josh for sure it's going to be exciting is there going to be a, is there going to be a virtual uh, after party or yes yeah yeah we're going to have yeah. a few probably awesome that sounds yeah. great you give us some tuba got- yeah i'll give you some tuba okay. yeah yeah <laughs> i'll make that happen yeah uh, you know I'm not, well let me let me let me talk to you afterwards maybe i can line up at a no never mind we'll, we'll figure it out <laughs> okay yeah let's see Tuba and banjo, man. 
Now, now, wonder Tim and I forged an alliance in hell. It's like that Farsight cartoon <laughs> where, they, where they open up the outhouse and there's a tuba player and a banjo player sitting in there together, and a bunch of people with pitchforks and torches. So, so what we're what we're going to what we're going to do with that is uh, since it's going to everybody's going to be on the the uh, private Facebook group that we're going to be that everybody's going to be watching the conference on, I will make a Zoom call while we're you know schedule a zoom call while we're every everything's going on and i'll just post that and then anybody that wants to join they can join in and we'll just have like kind of a big party um at the uh, saturday night and we're gonna we're gonna do it on sunday night too that sounds like so, so much fun that so like that a lot of fun. so that we can just you know we're, what we want to try to do is like kind of try to replicate that feeling of being part of a conference and just like instead of just like being just tied to just watching like the presentations which are great but you know part of the, the like we had so much fun last year outside and talking to each yeah. other and you know that that's sort of the big the big part of it and be kind of a I think it's going to be a little stressful you know us putting this thing on I mean this is a big thing we got a lot of people but in some ways, it may not be as good a deal as doing it live because there's so much stuff you got to just like coordinate. You know, I was telling Serfiel that uh, I when we restreamed all those conference, all the presentations from last year, we did that nearly a couple of weeks ago now. When we did that, I was like, man, I missed so much because i was outside taking care of this thing i was making yeah. sure the pizza got delivered i was making sure that uh, nobody went over on time and uh was was keeping my eye on the eye on the clock and you know putting this thing out and doing this thing and so i didn't get to see a lot of it but it was like it, some really great presentations from last year from you guys especially the the one that you guys did at the end well, on, you, on where the footprints in yeah, that was presentation. Great. Thank you. I, you know, I'm, 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 I have to admit, I'm a little bit disappointed that it's not live again this year. I mean, for obvious reasons, but also just for the fact that you know, you guys really knocked it out of the park your first year. It really, I think it was, it's the most on time uh, conference that I've ever been to. So yeah, so. because I had definitely been to conferences myself where like things did not go on time, and it really. One of the so about a month before I think I've told the yeah. story before about a month before we went to this thing in Knoxville, and uh, Ray Hernandez spoke at mm. this mm-hmm. right, and they had screwed up the timing so much they just let people just go on and on and on and they had messed up the timing that when Ray got up there and he had like the best presentation of the yeah. whole thing. Absolutely talking about the free study and about the the parallels between alien contact experience and also near death experience and he only got like 45 minutes i think he got cut short and then they put the guy yeah. right after him was the uh was this old dude that believed that he was a martian super soldier and that he was stationed <laughs> on mars and yeah. they let that guy talk for like an hour and a half, and I was oh, like, yeah. "Come on, yeah. are you serious? You like, like he was talking about so much." Ray Hernandez was talking about some really important stuff that he really should have gotten so much. He should have had it easily an hour and a half up there, 
just to talk about that. And then they yeah. just let this guy just go on and on and on. Cause it was the last one of the day and it was like, everybody was tired, but we were just like, come on guys. Yeah, but so, you're, also, you're also doing the, they're also, you know, doing the, the outrageous story. Yeah. It's yeah. I'm a denominator. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, right. it's, it's, um, and yeah, but, but, you know, I've seen it happen time again, time and again, where really like great presentations get shortchanged. I know that, uh, Tim and I were at a, a conference where Eric Wargo didn't get to, he had to rush through his performance of I mean, his performance, his presentation, which is something that I, we both really wanted to see. And I think we kind of both felt a little bit bad, um, Tim and I, because, uh, we had given the presentation before and, you know, it was really wasn't our fault to be honest. It was just the whole thing was running behind on the offset. We didn't even start. I think it was like what a full, a full hour after presentation, yeah, was, after after presentation was exactly as long as we said it was going to be as we were scheduled for. Right. We had started late. And if they had told us before we started, like, Hey, you guys need to rush, you know, we could we're, have, yeah. Yeah, we're going to split this time between you and Eric. We would have done so. Uh, but we weren't told that. You know, and consequently, I don't think he was very happy. Um, when I feel badly about that. You know? Yeah, still do. Yeah. So anyway, everybody run on time. That's the yeah. lesson. That's well, and the, the good, the the really good part about doing it online this time is that uh, for next year, you know, if everything gets back to semi-normal, we can do a hybrid. And so we're yeah. learning this now, but then in the future, we can have the both uh, best of both worlds, and that'll be really cool. Yeah, you can have a live speaker and then just project a call in. Yeah, it's uh, it's one of the weird advantages. Again, you know, COVID's a bad thing, but because of it, it has pushed how we use technology and how we can do things in this situation. And it's not, you know, we'll still have that when COVID lifts. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you can you can get uh, someone here in the chat was saying they're in South America, and they can attend because it's virtual. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, next right. week, next month, next year, you can do it live in person, so people who want to come out can come out. But you can also be projecting that to people who ha are are in other countries and stuff and can't make it, and you know, charge them a little less for uh, for coming on virtually. That's kind of where we're going. What we're thinking about is that we're going to do uh, we're going to do kind of a hybrid thing. And you, what you're talking about, how people are starting to kind of innovate. Uh, SIR, where we did it last year, they are now have a guy on staff because they've started, people have started doing live streams from SIR. Mm -hmm. So they've got a guy on there now that is doing that just solely and specifically. And so we could, we could actually do the whole thing online, but have a portion of it live. So maybe like do like one day, uh, live slash online. And then another day, just like solely online. So, oh, I'm I'm sorry. I guess he's in South Australia, not South America. South Australia, yeah, yeah. So, and, and Shikan's in the Middle East. So, yeah. I mean, it makes it more international. I mean, it's hard for people to uh, to travel, you know, across the world if they want to be involved in something like this. Yeah, yeah. That's that's uh, that's very very true. And plus, another thing too, guys. Twenty having twenty speakers. Uh, 21 speakers actually. You know, I never could have done that, I don't think. Yeah. Like, because we had like what we had nine, I think, or eight yeah. speakers, nine presentations last year, and that was, um, 
having to fly people out and all that kind of stuff, you know, and, and get the Airbnb for you guys, you know, which we were happy to do, but it's like this year we can, we can have more people because I think it's going to be really, and I think it's going to be really great. And I'm glad to have all three of you guys part of it. Um, well, it's it's an honor to be a part of the lineup. It's pretty stacked. So yeah. thank you for having me. A least. lot, a lot of this really, I don't think would have happened without any of you guys because Josh and Tim, you guys were part of the first one, and agreed to do it and agreed to come to Nashville, and we had a great time with you guys. And then Soraya, like I never would have heard of any of these people without you, man. <laughs> the Godfather. The Godfather. Of- <laughs> That's what the cats. That's what the cats for. Is. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Podcasting. And and uh, yeah, and, and Soraya was actually going to come to Nashville. We had yep. actually had talked yep. him into it and everything, and then all of a sudden, everything happened. So and then you had to get COVID in here. Yeah, I know. Thanks, Adam. Um, yeah. <laughs> of course, you're the one that said that they have it. You had it, so I did have it. Yes. Uh, have you confirmed that? Hundred percent. It's a hundred percent as you can confirm it. Well, you got the well, antibody the test, Mariah? No, I got an antibody test and it came up negative. Okay, so maybe However, maybe I you had, just have the Martian flu. Yeah. Well, I have the I had the exact same symptoms that um, Tom Hanks had. So like, it's a so so it, so it's 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 uh you were withdrawing from your adrenochrome is what you're saying. Yes. Yeah, oh no. Oh thanks. <laughs> <laughs> be careful. This is going to be on YouTube, Josh. It is. Yeah. No. Oh, I, 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 I was told that the antibody tests are not particularly good if you get them taken too late or too early or if you don't have a very severe case. And I didn't have a very severe case. It's not. But it was not like what you know. Tom Hanks was in the hospital. Right. You know, um, I know a couple other people who had the same thing I did. Um, some of them were exposed to people with COVID. The The actual COVID tests are awful. They are it's worse than flipping a coin. There's a woman. I was reading an article on a woman in Texas who uh, her husband had it. Her son ended up getting it, even though he was she was the only one he was exposed to. She was a nurse. She got seven negatives in a row. And then uh, afterwards, got the antibody test and had positive antibodies. Well, then yeah, there you was were a, telling me about that the other night too. Yeah, we were doing road of the road go. Yeah. The testing is absolutely abysmal. So the antibody tests, you have to get it taken at the right time before your body starts getting rid of the antibodies because it's sensitive only to a certain number of antibodies. Well, and and the uh, I think it was the president of Tanzania. Announced that like, both a goat and a pawpaw had had tested positive for COVID. So, right, yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. Let's not spend too much time on COVID, guys. <laughs> I'm so yeah. tired of talking about that. Yeah. yeah let's, just talk, let's talk about the future. Look forward to, to everything that we're doing. So I want to thank you guys for being a part of this tonight. Um, Absolutely. And also serves as a way to familiarize with you what you're, what you're doing. Okay. So let's go down the line. Uh, Soraya, tell everybody where they can find where did the road go, where they can find you, all that good stuff. Where did the road go.com. And you can find me mostly mostly on Facebook if you if you want to find me. There's there's links to email me and stuff on the Where the Road Go page. I don't know if there's a Facebook link, but you can find me easy on Facebook. Yes. I mean, there's not too many people named Soraya Ask exactly. out there. Exactly, so. exactly. All right, Mr. I think it's just Facebook.com slash Ascath, honestly. 
Yeah. And Mr. Cutchin. Uh, you can find me at joshuacutchin.com. And uh, yeah, there's there's going to be a bunch of big uh, big things coming down the line real soon, I think. Cool. Okay. And Mr. Renner. Strangefamiliars.com. That's my podcast, and all the contact information for that goes to me. What's coming up on Strange Familiars? <laughs> you think I planned that far ahead? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I think this week is uh, a, another installment of uh, Through the Haunted Forest, meeting another Bigfoot witness on location in Michaud Forest, and then uh, and we'll see what else I, um, happens there. Cool. Okay. Very good. Thank you, gentlemen. Awesome. Uh, stay here with us. We're going to close this out because this is still a show. So uh, just a reminder, guys, thank you for listening to the Conspiranormal and also a reminder, Strange from Strange, God, I almost said Strange Familiars, <laughs> StrangeRealitiesConference.com. Look, go there and you can see it in the back. <laughs> There's a Strange Familiars shirt. There's too much strange going on here. Ooh. We are streaming online to 25th, 26th, and 27th. And tickets are available for only $20. And that's for 21 speakers, including these three gentlemen that have so kindly joined us tonight. Ooh. So Patreon is up there. You can join that for a dollar. Anything that you want to add, Sir Phil, before we take off? No, just uh, you know, every everyone that you saw or heard uh, on this de- episode, you know, it just further uh, drives uh, the all the different topics that we're gonna have. Uh, so it's really all over the place, and uh, should be a very very fun time. All right, join us next week, guys. When we're gonna bring back, we're gonna have like a even bigger show. It's all spread out throughout the day with the rest of the guys and the guys from the Strange Realities Conference coming up September 25th, 26th, and 27th. StrangeRealitiesConference.com. See you later. Absolutely. Yep. please consider becoming a Patreon at www.patreon.com slash conspiranormal or leave a one-time donation at conspiranormal.com. And please check out our YouTube channel, Conspiranormal Podcast. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.